Well, good morning. I'm glad that you're here this morning. I'm glad that we could gather together, whether online, as you're watching now, or whether you come and choose to join us at 11 a.m. for our in-person service. Uh, we're glad that you could be here. Uh, if you have your Bible or your device with Scripture on it, let's go to Colossians chapter 4 this morning. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6 will be our passage uh, for this morning. And we want to talk about the power of words, the power of words. I was sitting this week looking through social media and watching people even claiming to be born-again believers uh, just attack one another uh, verbally uh, and hearing people speak to each other uh, and thinking the power that those words have and how uh, anti-Christ those words really can be and how we as believers are to glorify God, even with our speech and, and the power of those words. The Bible says uh, that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Uh, Proverbs 25.11 says that a, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. And to think of the beauty of that, that if we speak words correctly, uh, how fitting they can be uh, and how powerful they can be in people's lives. Now, we have a famous saying that we learned probably when we were kids that probably may be the most untrue thing we've ever heard, that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Uh, my granddad always said that anybody who ever said that had never been hit with the right dictionary. Uh, so I don't know that that would have been the solution, <laughs> but we know that words are powerful. Uh, there are things that uh, we've done in our life that we can't remember, but we can remember words that were spoken to us decades back and even back into our childhood, words that were spoken to us, both negative and positive, uh, and how they impacted us. And we want to look at Scripture today and see uh, how are Christians supposed to do this. Since Christians are called to use the power of our words for the glory of God, how do we do that? We look at the Apostle Paul, uh, who definitely was good with words, uh, wrote probably close to half the New Testament. And we see this here in Colossians, that he wrote a fairly short letter to the church at Colossae. But here he writes in chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, he says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. What a powerful little section there that Paul starts off with in how we're to use words. He's speaking first to them about prayer. One of the ways, the first way we can see that we as Christians can accomplish using our words to glorify Christ is through prayerful and thankful speech. Notice how he said it there in, in verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. That we speak prayer to God on behalf of others. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, he says this. The Apostle Paul also writing there, he says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication 
for all the saints. That a powerful tool for us in words and in prayer and in thankfulness is for fellow believers to pray for each other. Uh, we may disagree with each other on myriad topics. We could politics. We may disagree. Football teams. We may disagree. Uh, and I, I know where Pastor uh, stands on that one, but we love each other, and we can pray for each other, and we can we can lift each other up in prayer regardless of how we stand or where we believe in different areas. And we know the truth of Scripture doesn't change. There are things that biblically are right and biblically are wrong, and we have to stand where those are. But even when we stand in disagreement because of Scripture, we can do that with a right attitude and a right spirit toward other believers. And later on, we'll see in the passage, especially toward those that are on the outside, those that may not be saved. But prayer is a powerful tool for us. How often do we pray? I saw years ago, hopefully this statistic has changed, done by the Barna Institute. They did an anonymous survey of a hundred different pastors on their prayer life. And the average prayer time of those pastors was 15 minutes a week. And I thought, what a sad state we would be in if that were every pastor. Uh, to think that prayer wasn't part of their daily speech, that our daily communication with God, how important that is for believers. I'll never be able to speak correctly to the lost world. I'll never be able to speak correctly to my brothers and sisters in Christ if I'm not daily speaking to my Heavenly Father and I'm communicating with Him and in thankfulness, grateful for what He's given, what blessings has He poured out on us uh, and how great those things are. And Paul says that we should do that with thanksgiving. And you notice the next thing he says in verse 3 and 4, he said, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Another area that as believers we should spend time making sure that we're focusing on with our speech is clear, gospel-centered speech. Notice the Apostle Paul when he said, since you're praying, pray for us that the Lord will open a door that we can speak the word to others. Speaking there of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he could share the word with them, that those disciples that were with him, uh, Luke and Timothy and possibly at this time Titus and others would have been with him and, and wanting an opportunity to speak the gospel. But he wants to speak it clear. You know, we, we can get so caught up in religion that we're not clear on the gospel. We can add our own personal flavors to it and our own personal bents and, well, I'm a Baptist and we've always done this this way. And, and we can miss the simplicity of the gospel. We can be unclear. We can... We can make it so muddled and so obfuscated that people don't even understand what is the gospel. That we've added so much of our own stuff. And Paul says, we want to be clear. That's how I ought to speak. I ought to speak clear about the gospel. That the gospel should be the focus of it. If we can't go share the gospel, then our other speech has hindered it. That if we're saying on social media, if we're saying to co-workers things that that are aggressive and attacking, how are we going to come back? 
with the gospel. That we've, we've shut a door to it. And Paul said, instead of shutting the door with, with our personal feelings and our personal emotions and, and the things that we dislike, have we prayed to open that door so that we can speak clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ to others, that we can communicate to them the importance of knowing Christ as our Savior, that it should be part of our daily speech, that we're praying every day for each other, that we're clearly speaking the gospel, that we pray for others to clearly speak the gospel. i got to ask you, believer, when was the last time you prayed earnestly that God would open the door for your pastor, that he would open the door, that God would use his words come Sunday morning, come every day in his life when people interact with him through the week? When was the last time you prayed for your pastor and said, God, open the door that he'll be able to clearly communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ? We're blessed at North Park that God's given us a pastor who listens to God's word. He's sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and he does speak the gospel clearly. And you'll notice in every message, no matter where it's from, there's that time that we can come to the gospel and know, if you don't know Christ, we're going to show you here how you can know for sure that he's your Savior. That's where our heart should be as believers. If we're not sharing the gospel with the lost, we've missed the call. It's the, it's the great commandment, we say all the time, the great commission that to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, then it ought to be part of our daily speech and it ought to be part of our prayer life that we pray not just for our pastor to have it, but pray that we get it. How, how often do we miss opportunities to speak clearly the gospel to others in our life? We, we hear a, a quote by one of uh, the spiritual fathers, St. Augustine, uh, was quoted as saying, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Uh, but I think too often we miss all of the context of what he was talking about. Because if you go on, you find that he did use his words quite often to preach the gospel. His point was that our life should be so clearly in line with God's word that when we do speak the gospel, when we do use those words, that they match. But all too often as believers, we would like to take that and say, well, I'll just live a good life and I'll leave it to the pastor to speak the gospel. But it's our job to be gospel-centered in our conversation, to speak the word of God to them. The Bible says in Romans that faith comes by hearing the word of God. That if we're not speaking clearly the gospel message, we could be the reason people die and go to hell because we've missed our opportunity, the power of the speech, to give the gospel clearly. Then I want you to notice another way in verses 5 and 6. Notice he says this, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Some translations even say redeeming the time or buying back the time. Making sure that we use time wisely. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You know, I, I wonder, have we ever thought of praying before we comment on that social media post? God, how, would I, how should I answer this? How, how should I say this? Because the Bible says that we can know how to answer them. But I want you to notice the point with this is, 
gracious, well-salted speech. He says to let our speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt. We have a tendency in our own personalities that I like what I like, and I'm going to make sure you understand what that is. But God's telling us through his word that that can still be done graciously. That we can stand firm on the gospel. We can stand firm on the right to life for the unborn. We can stand firm on where God stands in same-sex marriage. We can stand firm on so many topics that the world doesn't understand biblically. And we can do that graciously. We can do that and still be in line with the gospel. We can still be loving, caring, kind, not harsh, not bitter. Uh, we look on there and we see people calling each other uh, morons and idiots and those kinds of things. And we've lost sight of the gospel. If that becomes part of our speech as believers, we should stand out in our daily speech, in our social media posts, and in everyday life. We should stand out. We should look different. We should be completely countercultural to the way the world responds to things, not attacking the individual, but speaking the truth in love, as Scripture says, that we can come to them with gracious speech. But then notice the next thing he says about it. Seasoned with salt. You know, salt, we know, is great for adding flavor and seasoning. And, you know, if you have high blood pressure like I do, the doctor says don't use so much of that. And I worry everything's going to taste bland. But salt wasn't just for flavoring. It wasn't just for seasoning things. Salt, even today, if you read in most fertilizers, there's salt in it. Salt was used quite frequently to boost the effectiveness of fertilizer so that things would grow properly. It allows certain insects to be rejected from that soil because they can't handle the sodium content in there, but it helps the plants grow and it helps them thrive and, and is useful for that. But notice what Scripture says. Look over in Ephesians 4.29 with me. Here's what the Apostle Paul says there for us believers. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those that hear. When we talk about a well-salted speech, that our words shouldn't just be that that adds flavor and, and makes the conversation taste good, so to speak. Like, you know, Grandma used to say, watch how you speak, because one day you may have to eat those words. Uh, so we want it well-seasoned for that, that that those things don't come back and those words taste bad later on when we have to apologize. But for building up, the Apostle Paul's talking about our speech could be the thing that helps other believers grow. Or as he's pointed out, those that are on the outside. What if somebody else has planted a seed and we were supposed to come water that and fertilize that and our words help that seed grow? Till God brings the harvest in it. Are we missing the opportunity with our words? How powerful those words can be. And are we missing the graciousness in our speech? That Paul is talking here. That not just that I bite my tongue because I want to say this harsh thing. But that our life is so shaped by the gospel. That our life is so molded by Christ's word. 
that my speech is always gracious, that I'm not holding back angry words that I would like to say in this argument, but that my nature becomes in line with Christ's nature and that what I want to say is the right thing, that I'll know what I should say and what I ought to say to them because I've lined myself up with God's word, that I've molded myself into the image of Christ through his word, that I've allowed him to mold me, that I'm not transformed to the image of the world, but I'm transformed by Christ and that my words are changed by him, that it's gracious speech, it's well-salted speech so that I can impact others with the gospel, but that I can be an encouragement to fellow believers. You know, the Apostle Paul was impacted by somebody who used his well-seasoned words to impact the Apostle Paul. You remember as Saul, he was persecuting the church. He was aggressive. He was throwing people in prison. He was the reason people died because they followed Jesus Christ. And then he has a road to Damascus experience. And God saves him. And he comes to tell his testimony and nobody wants anything to do with him. The apostles wanted nothing to do with him. They're like, no, this is the guy that was throwing our brothers and sisters in Christ in the prison. We want nothing to do with him. But there was this one guy named Barnabas. Interestingly enough, when you read scripture, that's not his name. That's his nickname. His name is Joseph or Joseph in some translations. But he he was such an encourager that all of his fellow believers nicknamed him Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement. Can you imagine being such an encourager that your seasoned, gracious speech was so impactful to your fellow believers that they changed your nickname to Barnabas? That They said, hey, here comes the encourager. This guy's going to be an encouragement. This guy's going to build us up. That's exactly what he does to the Apostle Paul. That he's the one that comes alongside him and he encourages him. He brings him into a ministry opportunity when the church of Antioch is growing and he encourages him as he's teaching. Think about what we would be missing in Scripture if it wasn't for somebody whose speech was so molded by Christ, it was so gracious and so well salted that he became the encourager to the Apostle Paul. We'd be missing half the New Testament if the Apostle Paul walks away and is never accepted again, if he's rejected by that. We would be missing this passage that we've read. All of the references that we've used were written by the Apostle Paul, and it was because of an encouragement from one person. Those words were impactful. Those words changed his life. I can recall times in my life when I was ready to quit, and the right encouragement came. The person that God sent to me used gracious, well-salted speech to encourage me. They were clear and gospel-centered in their speech. They were praying with me and for me. And it's changed my walk. It's changed my work. When, when God has put you in a, in a ministry and, and called you to that, it's not always easy. There's times that you, you get frustrated and you get tired with it. There's times that we look around and we think, man, is this ever going to change? Is this situation ever going to change? Maybe the the situation at work and and there's frustration and there's torment maybe sometimes even emotionally from coworkers who are lost coworkers and you want to be able to share the gospel. 
we can do that through the Word of God. That we can, we can pray and be thankful for what God's given us. That we can use that speech. We can use those words to, to reach out to God. We can pray for each other. Build each other up. I, I was convicted years ago that I told somebody, I said, hey, I'll pray for you. And they said, no, you won't. And I said, that's, that's hurtful. Why would you say that? And they said, well, I know me. And I know how many times I say I'll pray, I walk away, and I forget it because I get busy. And he said, so pray for me now, or don't tell me you're going to pray. Well, that was a conviction. That kind of convicted me that if I'm going to say, hey, I'll pray for you, that somebody shares a a prayer burden, somebody shares a, a concern for a sick loved one or a lost loved one or praying for emotion. My goodness, think about the, the emotional things that we could pray for people right now. The, the suicidal ideations are, are through the roof because of uh, the anxiety of quarantines and, and social distancing that people are facing. The, the attempted suicides are astronomically high this year. People dealing with the emotion of a loved one that may have COVID-19 or may have other illnesses, but because of COVID-19, they're not even able to go see them in the hospital. And the, uh, the emotional pain that they're going through, that God may be setting you and me up to use the power of our words to be an encouragement to them, to come alongside them, to pray for them, to be thankful for the opportunity that God's given us to share His Word with them, <clears throat> to be clear, and gospel-centered when we speak. To be gospel-centered doesn't mean that we're hammering them with a 20-pound King James family Bible. It means we're focused on the gospel. That we can be direct with the gospel and still kind and compassionate when we do that. And then gracious, well-salted speech that, that builds others, that grows others, that helps them know Christ. But I want to talk to you that you may be sitting there and However you came to this link, maybe a friend shared this link with you or you're looking on Facebook or through YouTube and you came on this and you say, man, I, I don't know. I've never read that passage. I've never read scripture. I don't know that I know Christ. I don't know that I've ever even followed him. I've never prayed any prayer. I've never been to church. Well, we want to tell you how you can know. Because there was a time that our Savior, eternally existent Son of God, took on flesh. And he lived sinless and perfect, and he took a cross for us. He was buried in a borrowed tomb and conquered the grave three days later. Rose victorious over that. And that's the truth of the gospel, that he rose victorious. So we have hope, not just in this life, but in the next to come, for eternity in heaven with him. And we want that for you. We here at North Park, we love you. We don't even need to know you. We can say that we love you and we mean that because God's told us to love you. Matter of fact, Christ has been so specific. He said, even if you called us and said, I'm your enemy and I hate you, we still love you because God loves you. He loved you enough to send his son to die for you. And we want you to know that through clear gospel speech that there is a hope in Jesus Christ today. Fellow believers, If you're discouraged, defeated, it's been struggle, you're worried about life, you're worried about the pandemic that's around us, the the financial consequences of it, the emotional consequences of it, we want to pray for you. We want to come alongside you in prayer. We want to lift you up. We want to tell you we love you.
that, as the pastor said, that when you're ready, you come back. We're here for you. Uh, if you're not, give us a call. We want to reach out. We want to, we want to love on you. We want to share the gospel with you. That one that's not saved. It's a simple thing. The Bible says we've all sinned and we've come short of God's glory. And that the only way to redeem that, to change that, is through accepting the completed work of Christ at Calvary and relying on Him and trusting Him. You could say a simple prayer just saying, Jesus, I trust in You. I believe what, your word, what the Word of God says about You. Maybe you at a point where you don't even know how to get that prayer together. We want to offer you that time. As, as you'll hear, there's a link right there. If you're watching online, there's a link that you connect to right there. If you're watching on YouTube, there's way there. If none of those, let me tell you, go info at gonorthpark.com. Let us know. Reach out to us. Call us. Look up the church number. Give us a call. We would love to reach out to you. We'd love to share the gospel with you so that you can know how you can have the power of the words that are molded by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And believer, let's be a little better at being gospel-focused on our social media. Because I know I need to be, and I hope that you will be too. And when we go to our work, and when we go to our daily activities, that we'll be gospel-focused. We'll use the power of the words of Christ to impact the life of those that we come to. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your saving grace. We thank you for your son being willing to die on the cross for us, raise again the third day. And God, I pray for each of my brothers and sisters in Christ that they would be as encouraged as I was by this passage to, to use our words to impact others with the power of Christ, the power of the words that you've given us to speak, that we would speak them in honor and reverence to you. For that one that may be sitting there that doesn't know you, that they will trust in you before it's too late. And we'll be thankful for what you do in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.